0: episode 34 where today we're talking about some unconventional tips and tricks for mastering and managing our emotional eating. We've been talking for seems like forever about how to find our healthiest weight and our healthiest self um, and help hopefully do that through, You know some non-dieting methods. Um, You know that diet mentality of restriction and deprivation. It's not always that helpful. A lot of times, it's very detrimental to us, and a lot of us could stand to to give up that mentality. And one of the things that really stands in our way when it comes to getting healthier and You know losing weight and getting to that ideal version of ourselves is in a lot of cases for a lot of us emotional eating and so i wanted to share you know five more tips for handling emotional eating and i wanted to do this because so many people tell me that it's a huge thing for them and obviously if you're listening in and you're with me here, that's why you're here. Um, Emotional eating is a very complex issue and that makes it a little bit difficult to deal with. Um, And if it were easy to get rid of, right, none of us would have the issue. So first things first, I wanna be clear. When we talk about emotional eating mastery, I've said this before and it stands to be said again, it's I'm not positive that it's possible to completely eliminate and be completely rid of emotional eating. I'm not sure that you would really want to do that. You know, every time that you go out, say, to a party or to a, a gathering with friends and relatives, you know, loved ones. I don't think that you should have to necessarily check in with yourself and go, okay, you know what, I'm not you know, a three or a four on my hunger scale and therefore I'm not allowed to eat. Um, I think that could end up being more problematic than just eating. Um, but what I do want is for you to be able to look at any given situation that you're in and determine the best course of action for yourself. And so what that means is, is that sometimes it's going to be okay to eat for comfort. I understand that there's a huge stigma around eating emotionally and that a lot of people will tell you that if you try to eat something or if you do eat something in an attempt to feel better, that that's bad and that you should be punished or try to do better, but I don't really feel like that's the case, right? You shouldn't feel guilty. You shouldn't feel ashamed. You've not done anything horrible. You're using the coping skills that you learned or were provided with. And for the most part, they do work for you. They calm you down, they chill you out, they keep you from doing something you know, a lot more drastic. So let's put it into perspective, right? There are a lot of different ways that people comfort themselves. Some people eat, other people drink, other people do drugs. Other people shop or have sex or you know, work out or go for a run or sit in front of the TV or you know Pinterest for hours or Facebook or um, you know, go read a book. There's tons and tons and tons of things that you can do as a distraction from the way that you're currently feeling. And no one way is better or worse than another, right? They're all distractions and they can all be detrimental to your health, to your well-being, to your person, to your relationships even. So let's, let's get clear and let's be honest and let's just deal with what we have. So there are going to be days that you have a really bad day and you're going to grab that pint of Ben & Jerry's or Haagen-Dazs, and you know what, that's okay. Some days you're going to have tried something beforehand. You're gonna try coloring in your adult coloring book and it's not going to work. You're gonna try going for a walk around the block and it's not going to work. You're going to try calling your friend and talking about it and that's gonna make it worse. And so you may fall back to the old reliable standby of eating emotionally. So understand that it's okay, right? You're not going to get it right 100% of the time. So allow it give yourself permission. Don't hate on yourself. Don't make yourself feel terrible for engaging in a behavior if it's the only one that makes you feel better. When you remove the negative label from this habit, right, this skill, this coping mechanism, you change your perspective on it, you change how it feels, you change what you do with it. And instead of feeling really, really bad about it, right, which can create this negative feedback loop, which may in turn cause you to overeat or binge, you may be able to get out that pint of ice cream, have five bites and go, you know what? I'm I'm good. This is all I need. I'm, I'm good. I don't need any more. Put the cap back on it, put it back in the freezer and feel better, right? And yes, yes, you did eat emotionally, but it wasn't huge. It didn't have to be some... Huge monumental thing that created this, you know, downflow, right? This trigger, this waterfall effect of negative consequences and negative health consequences for you. So, the sooner we normalize this idea of emotional eating and you know, removing the stigma from it, the better off we're going to be. The more we can work with these habits and skills and make them work for us instead of against us. One of the other things that's really important when you are talking about and dealing with, right, your emotional eating issues is is to be mindful, right? A lot of times when we are eating emotionally, we slip into this mindless place where we are zoned out, we are operating on autopilot, right, um, where it's hand to mouth, spoon to mouth, fork to mouth, fist to mouth, you know, just shoveling the food in in an attempt to stop the feelings um, and get away and distract ourselves from what it is that we're going through. And one of the things that we are really trying to resolve and get a hold of and master, right, this is what we're talking about when we're talking about mastering emotional eating, is being mindful so that we can sit there and mindfully have our three emotionally eating chocolate chip cookies and realize I'm going to eat this, but I'm not going to eat the whole bag or I'm going to, you know, have this, you know, this bowl of chips and salsa, but I'm not going to go back. It's okay to eat emotionally. It's okay to go to a party and enjoy, you know, chips and drinks and, um, dips and, cakes and cookies and, you know, whatever it is that they're offering you there. As long as you don't fall off the wagon, don't lose control of yourself, don't completely black out, and then come to, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, three hours later going, oh my gosh, what did I do? What did I eat, right? If you, if you come back to yourself and you're covered in crumbs and you've got you know, chocolate candy wrappers littered around you, eh, that, that there might be a, a problem and it might be something to look at. But that's actually really what we're trying to address here. Not the fact that you want a piece of chocolate emotionally. It's not the piece of chocolate that's the problem. It's the quantities that's the problem. It's the mindless eating that's the problem. And so by slowing down, calming down, and trying to be mindful, right, come back to yourself, take a deep breath in, you'll actually be able to enjoy you know, those bites of ice cream, that cookie that you're eating, that piece of chocolate, so that you don't have to continue to eat and eat and eat. One of the things I've noticed you know, in my own journey is that when I eat distracted, if I'm eating in front of the TV or the computer or while I'm on Pinterest or writing a blog post or something like that, it's very easy for me to not pay attention to what it is that I'm eating. And it, this is not just for you know emotional eating, but for eating my lunch or my breakfast or my dinner. I can eat it while I'm doing something else, right? This is what we call multitasking. The problem is, is that when I'm done, I don't feel like I've eaten. And so, then even though I've gotten the calories I need, I've gotten possibly and hopefully the nutrients I need, I'm not satisfied, right? Because I don't feel like I've eaten. So, that's something that's really important. You have to stop and take a deep breath in and pay attention to what it is that you're doing. Because, you know, you want to make sure that not only are you meeting your emotional need when you're you know eating your chocolate or your ice cream or whatever it is or your sandwich but that you're also feeding that need that you have to eat food have a meal Um, one of the other things that I've noticed and you may have noticed this too is if you go throughout your day let's say I'm having a really really busy day and it seems like I don't have you know 30 minutes to an hour to sit down and really be mindful and enjoy a meal. And so I find myself snacking all day. At the end of the day, I feel like I'm really missed something. And it's because I never took that moment. Sure, I've been eating all day and when I, you know, put it into my food diary for the day, I may have eaten, you know, enough calories, maybe even more calories than I had intended. But at the same time, I don't really ever feel like I ate I never feel like I had a meal. And so it's very important to be mindful about what you're eating. Sit down, be present at, you know, to the best of your ability so that you can get that part of the satisfaction that you need in order to feel uh, whole and complete when we're talking about, you know, eating and nourishing ourselves. So number three, I think it's really important to stimulate more of our senses than just our sense of taste. A lot of us eat because things taste good, but if you're an emotional eater, you may not even really be focusing on how something feels in your mouth. You know, you realize that ice cream is cold, but you don't realize when your tongue goes numb. Um, you may not notice the smell That your ice cream has or the intricacies of the smell of chocolate right it doesn't just smell like chocolate it smells like sugar and it smells like vanilla and it smells like chocolate Um, and depending on you know how strong that chocolate is you can smell the bitterness of the chocolate and that's all really important, right? And so it's also really important to pay attention to how it looks, right? Is, is that salad or that sandwich or those chips or that chocolate, how does it look to you? Is it appealing? So really take time when you decide to eat, even if it's when you're eating emotionally, take time to really touch in with your senses, right? So when you're opening that wrapper for that cookie, notice the crinkling, notice the sensations. How does that wrapper feel to your fingers? You know, if you have to, you know, there are some packages that you have to put between your teeth to to get them to open. How does that feel? How does it feel to put that wrapper between your lips? Notice the crinkling sounds that it makes. Notice how the package looks to you. Is it appealing? Is it not appealing? You know, sometimes we do things, again, on autopilot, right? There are lots of products that I buy that I, when I finally look at the wrapper, I go, oh my gosh, this is not really that appealing. But I buy it because, you know, my husband likes it or, you know, it gets... You know whatever job it is done and so it's interesting right when you stop and pay attention to your food right and notice your five senses what, what does it look like what does it sound like what does it smell like what does it taste like what does it feel like it really helps you get in touch with your food and that's going to help it become more satisfying to you when it's more satisfying to you That means you'll require less of it. You'll take more time with it. So I hope that makes sense because it applies to anything. Um, It it can apply to your favorite music, whether or not it's, um, you know, really fast speed metal or um, hip hop or dubstep or, you know, soft classical. And you may like different kinds of music depending on where you are physically or emotionally or the kind of mood that you're in. And the same thing kind of goes with your emotional eating. You may have a tendency towards certain kinds of foods when you feel certain ways and if you are mindful and start paying attention to that, that will help you get more out of those emotional eating moments. Again, Don't try and, don't misunderstand me and think that I'm suggesting that you should be having lots and lots of emotional eating moments. Um, But to, I think, to try and completely separate or divorce, you know, our emotions from our eating experience is not exactly what we're trying to do. And it's not something I think that we should be aiming to do. So... You know, when we're talking about mastering emotional eating, it's important to be very specific and be very clear. What I want for you, what I'd like for us to be able to accomplish together is to be more mindful and aware of our emotional situations, our circumstances, how we are feeling on the inside so that we can work through Process and handle those emotions in a way that works for us. So that, you know, if you are feeling negative, if you are feeling sad or down or depressed or, you know, rejected or betrayed or, you know, something like that, that you're not going through sleeve after sleeve after sleeve of cookies, you're trying to make yourself feel better. That's not going to really make you feel better. But you know it's possible that in the process of working through that betrayal or that rejection that you may eat two cookies and that may make you feel a little bit better right sometimes eating may help you with your thought processes it may help you gain clarity But just mindfully shoving food in is not going to help you process your emotions and deal with them and work through them. So tip number four is, this one's really interesting. Um, Karen Koenig is a social worker and she is the author of The Food and Feelings Workbook. And I really like this workbook, she has, an interesting way of talking about emotions. She reminds us that the function of emotions is to tell you what's going on on the inside, whereas your senses tell you what's going on on the outside. You may have heard emotions called your uh, like your emotional GPS. It tells you when you're on track or off track, where things are in alignment with you or out of alignment with you or your desires. And I think that that's really important because so many of us struggle to understand emotions and struggle to understand feelings and even differentiate between our emotions, our feelings, and our senses. And so our emotions are trying to tell us what's going on inside of our hearts and inside of our bodies and if you are one of those people who find yourself emotionally eating all the time then you know tip number four which is not exactly a tip because it's what I've been talking about all along and that's to stop and see if you can figure out what's really going on for you what just happened what thoughts are happening in your head you know, are you, are you having negative thoughts about yourself? Are you thinking that you're a failure? Are you feeling dumb? Are you, um, you know, feeling lonely or abandoned or betrayed or hopeless or helpless? Is it something, you know, did something outside of you, which is a lot of times how this happens, something happens outside of us that we make meaning about. You know, someone has a look or has an expression or says a phrase that we then internalize and make meaning about it, about ourselves. We think that means they're saying we're dumb, or we think that means they're saying they don't like us, or we think that means they no longer want to spend time with us, or something like that. And if you stop, pause, and do kind of an internal assessment, you can see, hopefully, you know, by analyzing what just happened and possibly the thoughts and feelings that are going on inside you, where things could be going wrong for you. Once you figure that out, then you can determine what kinds of self care may be necessary, right? So if it's a situation of let's say something that normally wouldn't have bothered you, all of a sudden today does bother you, and now you're upset. You can look at what's been going on for you, right? Did you get enough sleep? Have you eaten enough? Where are you on your hormonal cycle, right? All of these things are a factor, and you may be able to, based on that, you know, physical, biological information, go, you know what, I may have PMS. Or, you know what, I didn't sleep well enough. Right? As I've said time and time again, sleep is foundational. If you're not getting good enough sleep, everything else that your day is based on is probably going to be a wink-link. So, And you may have noticed on days that you only get two or three hours worth of good sleep, your hunger is more. Your ability to handle stressful situations is lessened. So knowing where you are physically, biologically, all of those things are gonna help you ascertain, you know, do you need more exercise? Do you need more sleep? Do you need to have sex or to masturbate? Do you need to do something creative? You may be emotionally eating as a way to fulfill those other needs. And if you are, They might buy, you know, emotionally eating might buy you some time, but it's not really going to solve the problem. And if you stop for a moment, you might be able to find something else that would be more fulfilling to you. So it's important just to stop, take a moment, pause, and take that that internal inventory and see where you are. So tip number five is to identify triggers, and plan for them. So everybody kind of has, you know, a a daily routine. You get up, you make your coffee, you, I don't know, do your workout routine, you get in the shower, you get in the car, you go to work. Um, And that's kind of how your day goes. It's autopilot, you know, to some degree with spurts of conscious thought where you're, you know, sitting at your desk or doing, you know, your your manual labor or doing whatever it is that you need to do throughout the day. But as we allow that autopilot to just take over and we just check out, our stress and anxiety tends to mount because we have a tendency to ignore what's going on in our bodies, right? That anxiety that starts in your stomach or in your shoulders or in your lower back it's there, but you can't, you're not feeling it because you're just trying to get that report done. Just trying to get home, just trying to get the kids to soccer practice. And before you know it, you know, the end of the day comes around and, you know, you put the kids to bed and you've got dinner made. And, you know, everybody's kind of starting to wind down. The kids are zoned out on their, on their iPads or whatever. And all of a sudden you notice it. Right, because you're finally starting to, the din and the buzz of the day is finally starting to clear away and you notice, ooh wee, I've got anxiety, or man, I really let my hunger get the best of me, or I am way, way, way fatigued. And that's when you know, emotional eating has a tendency to really hit us hard. It's like a one-two sucker punch to the gut that evening eating after things are starting to wind down. And that's when some of those, it's interesting, because that's when some of those self-care things that you could do, like taking a bath, taking a shower, um, making yourself some hot tea, things like that, would be the most beneficial. And yet, unfortunately, because you are at your most fatigued, most tired right? Most worn out, you're the least likely to do it. Um, so, but there are other things that you can do, right? You can think outside the box. One of the things that I do personally, right? Because I know that, you know, taking a hot bath is very relaxing, but it's, um, it takes a lot of effort, right? I have to get up. I have to go in there. <laughs> I have to turn on the water I have to strip down naked and then I have to sit in the tub until the stress goes away. Um, one of the things that I've taken to doing is, is I keep a heating pad on the couch, and when my anxiety hits me, it hits me in my stomach, um, just above my navel. It's probably my adrenals firing off, but it, it causes some stomach pain, stomach discomfort, things like that. I keep a heating pad. On the couch, and when I notice it coming up, I get my heating pack out and I put it on my stomach. Now, my husband always interprets that as I've got cramps, but I don't. It's that's just my way of applying, you know, warm, comforting heat to me that doesn't require me to get up and go run a bath. Um, you know, if I need to, I can still get up and go do something and then come right back to it, and that's been really helpful for me. So thinking outside the box and coming up with things that you can do that will help you calm down can be very beneficial, right? So you don't have to go make that cup of tea. You can, I don't know, keep a pair of warm socks near your chair or your couch so that, you know, when you start to notice that you need comfort, you can put on those warm, cushy socks or keep a blanket or something like that, right? Those are very comforting things that will help with your self-care. So the other thing I mentioned was identifying your triggers and planning for them. When you start doing this work, you may notice a tendency towards certain thoughts and certain feelings. As you analyze you know, a, a, the situation with your boss, you may notice this situation makes me feel dumb or stupid or like a failure. And then when you analyze the situation with your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend you may notice this situation makes me feel small or inadequate or insignificant you may notice patterns of thought when you start to notice those patterns of thought you go okay I have a tendency to feel like a failure I have a tendency to feel small and insignificant then you can make plans for those situations. It's not like you're going to be able to avoid, you know, your boss or your best friend or your boyfriend, spouse or girlfriend. But when you notice those thoughts coming up and you know you have a tendency towards them, then you can be armed, right? You can, you know, begin the process of trying to stop those thoughts immediately. You can, you know, when you realize I'm having thoughts of failure, you can dispute those thoughts, you know, by, you know, listing five or 10 or 15 or 20, you know, reasons why you're not a failure, you know, 50 reasons why you're not insignificant and small and that those disputes will help you get to a place where you don't have those thoughts as frequently. And when you do have them, you'll be able to shut them down quicker. As you do that, you'll be less likely to eat emotionally in an attempt to resolve those feelings. Nobody wants to feel rejected or betrayed or helpless or hopeless or like they're a failure or you know that they're small and insignificant. But a lot of us don't know what to do with those feelings. So, you know, as you work on those root feelings, those core feelings, that's when the emotional eating issues will start to resolve for you and you'll i mean you probably already know that eating emotionally you know to solve feeling small and insignificant doesn't really help you it's just distracting you from it and then when you're done eating it's time to go to bed or time to watch netflix or you know time to go on to some other distraction and then you get up the next day and you've conveniently forgotten about it, but the problem is still there. And so as you work on these core issues of insignificance or smallness or rejection or why you always feel alone or why you don't have any friends or whatever your thing is, right? Then it becomes less important, right? Eating emotionally is really a symptom. It's not the problem. The problem is, is this, these feelings that we have of unworthiness or um, incompleteness or that we're not whole or not lovable or not likable or not enough. And when we start really doing the work, right, become ravenous to solving that problem, that's when the emotional eating goes away, when it becomes less important. It's not as significant. It's, sure, you may still eat emotionally on occasion, but you realize when you're doing it that you're trying to solve the problem incorrectly. And as soon as you realize you're trying to solve the problem incorrectly, it becomes that that solution, right, which is a false solution, becomes less interesting and you just naturally start to fall away from that and you start looking for the real answers and the real solutions. So just quickly I wanted to kind of recap what I went over today. Um, First and foremost and almost most importantly is to understand and accept and allow that It's okay to eat emotionally or to comfort yourself with food sometimes. Except that it's okay. It's part of being human. All humans do it. Food is supposed to be enjoyable and it's supposed to be comforting. It was designed that way. I mean, just from when you were, you know, drinking milk from your mother's breast. It was designed to be comforting. It was designed to create emotional connections. Two, that we want to become mindful when we emotionally eat so that we have better control over ourselves, but also so that we can make better decisions about our emotional eating, when to do it and when not to do it. Three, we want to really be mindful and get present when we do decide to eat or eat emotionally and really notice all of our senses, right? What does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? So that it is more satisfying to us and if it's more satisfying that we will very likely eat less of it. Uh, number four was to really dive deep and sink into ourselves. Do that internal assessment to figure out what it is that you know our bodies are really trying to tell us. What we're possibly not taking care of. What we need to do to take better care of ourselves emotionally or even physically. And number five is to... You know, look at those triggers that we may have emotionally or mentally and see what we can do to begin the work of resolving those issues, right? Because they all can be resolved. Just because you think that you've been uh, feeling insignificant all your life or feeling rejected or feeling alone or betrayed or, you know, whatever hopeless, helpless feelings all of your life doesn't mean that tomorrow cannot be different. So we want to start doing that work, but we also want to identify you know, some self-care things that we can do that are easier. You know, if, if you find that you're avoiding some of your self-care practices because they're too difficult, to identify some simple things that you can do and that you're willing to do, that are easy to do, that can help you so that you don't have to eat emotionally if that's not really what you want to do. So I hope that this has been helpful for you today. If you have any questions or concerns or would like to talk to me about these tips, feel free to reach out to me. I can be reached at Facebook at fb.me forward slash Coach Christy R. Hall or at my website www.christyrhall.com. Thanks so much for listening in and I will talk to you guys soon.